Good morning. For those of you who don't know, my name's Nick, and uh, it is a, a true delight to see your, your happy, smiling faces here this morning. Um, it just struck me that if you don't know me, one of the things that people notice um, about me is um, I'm quite tall. Um, and <laughs> and I, I've, God's been so good to me over the years, and uh, one of the things is that I'm normal. It's just, it's my normal. It might not be your normal, but it, it's my normal. And this sort of, you know, freak up normal thing, you know, just reject all that. Um, but, you know, so, but it has struck me. And I don't know why it's been striking me so much in the last six months that there is quite a difference between my height and, uh, and other people's heights. But uh, if you're interested, I'm six foot five and a half. But uh, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, but the reason for mentioning that is that uh, God's been showing me I am so much bigger on the inside. And uh, it's just one of these things that I think sometimes our vision is too small. Sometimes how we think of ourselves is way too small. And no matter what you think is good, what you think is not good, however different you think your life would be if only you had, um, God is doing so much in us. And, uh, and so what I'm preaching this morning is coming out of that treasure, that deposit um, that uh, God's put inside me. And it's one of those words that I've lived with for a very long time. Um, so I'm going to read you a story from Genesis 32, um, and this is uh, about Jacob, um, and Jacob's an odd dude, he really is, you know, no matter how often I read these stories, I think, there's something not quite right here. Um, and, and yet, one of the encouraging things is that you can see a man like Jacob, um, who has all, his, all the character flaws you could possibly imagine. Um, and yet he is, you know, descendant of Jesus. And, you know, we stand in the heritage that he, he bore for us. So there's so much that God's grace is there for us. So we're going to jump in. And I'm, I'm deciding to read all of chapter 32, so bear with me. But just to give you the context. So it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. And Abraham left um, the Ur of the Chaldeans. And he, he was sent by God to the promised land. He, um, Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Isaac said to his son you've got to go back to the father's place back to where we've all left to find yourself a wife so it, you know long story and he goes off and his father-in-law uh, is again a, a tricky character so it ends up being 20 years later that he first of all tries to marry a wife ends up getting his wife's sister and then he gets his you know, it's just an odd story but he comes back, and so here we are, just as he's now doing what he wanted to do all this time, is get back to the promised land, back to the place that God had, had called him. Yeah. So I'm going to read the story, and then we'll pull a bit more out of what God's been showing me. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called that place Mahanaim. So that's encouraging, isn't it? There's angels on the way that he's going. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, and the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Your servant Jacob, I have sojourned in Laban, with Laban, so he's back with his father-in-law, uh, until now. And I have oxen, donkey, flocks, male servants, female servants. I have sent to tell my lord in order that I might find favor in his sight. So he's a bit worried about how his brother's going to react because of bad stuff that happened between them back then. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we've come to your brother Esau and he's coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. 
Da, da, da. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people who were there with him, the flocks and the herds of the camels, into two camps, thinking, if Esau comes against one camp and attacks it, then the camp that's left may escape. So he's made a plan. But he also said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all of these deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness you've shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had, he took a present for Esau, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, milking camels with cows, cows, bulls, donkeys, um, more donkeys, and he handed them over to his servants, and they drove them before them. And he said to his servants, go ahead of me, and put a space between each flock, between each drove. And when Esau, my brother, meets you, ask, and he asks you, who do these belong to? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? You shall say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They're a present sent to my lord Esau, and, and he's coming behind us. He likewise instructed the second and third and all that followed, you shall say the same thing and say that your servant Jacob is behind you. For he thought, I may appease with a presence that go before me, and afterwards I shall see his face, perhaps he will accept me. That same night he arose and took his wives and children um, and, grand and his 11 children, female servants, and crossed the Jordan, across the ford at Yabok, sorry. He took them and sent them across the stream with everything else, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the break of day. When, Jesus, uh, when he, the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and um, Jacob's hip was put out of joint. He dislocated his hip as he wrestled with him, and he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. But Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask? And there he blessed him. And Jacob called the place, that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose and he passed limping because of his hip. There you go. And he goes on to meet, uh, meet his brother. Can we pray? Yes. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you for the treasure that you've put in your word and the treasure that you put inside us. And we thank you for the sustenance that you are and the sustenance you provide for us for the journeys that we're all taking. God, I ask you to speak clearly from this word and you'd give us food that would nourish, food that would encourage, food that would strengthen. In Jesus' name. Thank you. So, interesting story. So there's lots that you can say um, Jacob did really well. He was obviously panicked, and 400 you know, armed men coming towards you is going <laughs> to scare everything out of you, isn't it? Um, so, but he, did, he, did, um, he made a plan, but he also called on God. And it's interesting, if you look at that prayer, he was reminding God, this is what you've told me to do. 
So that, that's quite a good strategy, really, isn't it? Of making a plan to do what you know you can do, but also um, you know, calling on God for what only God can do. So it looks like he's doing all the right things, isn't it? He's calling on God. He's really acknowledging that it's God's call back to the promised land. You know, everything seems to be right. And yet, a man comes and wrestles with him. Now, we know from the end of the story that this so God is an angel. Um, but we know that God's in this wrestling, but he doesn't. He just thinks, what else have I got to do? Here I am, just so vulnerable. Armed men coming to attack him. He's just there, you know, the worst place to be when you've got cattle is in the middle of nowhere. You've not got your pens to keep them safe. Your wives and children there, you know, how vulnerable did he feel? And for whatever reason, he sent them ahead, part of his strategy. Um, but there he was on his own. You know, how vulnerable did he feel? And when he's feeling at his most vulnerable, he's then having a barney with someone. He's then fighting for his life. Um, it's just an odd thing. Why, why did God allow that? What was it that God was trying to produce in him? And it, it's interesting, really, isn't it? Because you can do all the right things. You can do what you know to do. You can call on God. But God was looking for something more. God was looking really to emphasize to him that it's not just doing the right thing. It's not even praying good prayers. There's a heart connection God wants with us. And it's interesting when you just think about wrestling, that is up close and personal, isn't it? You really are, you know, grungy and sweaty and getting in there. There's no sort of separation between you. That, that picture of wrestling is something that's really stayed with me. This isn't a sort of, you know, a discussion across a bridge. This isn't a, you know, well, God, I think this, and well, Jacob, you need to think that. This isn't a, a chat or anything like that. It's not even any bargaining. This is getting in there and just sort of holding on and fighting and trying to sort of maneuver and try to think desperately. What's happening? Wrestling is up close and personal. And, and what really struck me is even there he was, who is vulnerable, is on his own, God then dislocates his hip. Oh, come on. <laughs> How bad does it have to get? And sometimes you can feel like that. And I just really want to sort of, you know, yes, this is, you know, someone from way back when. Yes, this is someone who has, you know, several wives, multitudes of children, flocks, camels, and all that. It can be a bit hard to associate with that. But this is a man who did all that he knew um, to get where he'd got to. And he did all that he knew to call on God. And yet still, there was this situation that he just could not explain. He didn't know. It didn't seem to be any reason why he was in this situation. And sometimes when you're feeling at your most vulnerable, you can really wonder, why am I going through this? And, and the, the why question, it, it's okay to ask, but it often doesn't get you very far. Sometimes the why question can really, you know, I think I'll just, you know, stuff this fight, I'm gonna wander off. I'm gonna sit on a rock here. Why, why should I be wrestling with this dude? He's clearly, he's dislocated my hip, he can do whatever he wants. You know, you could give up at that point and just go and think, well, perhaps if I figure it out, perhaps I'll work it out and I'll understand it. And if I understand, maybe I'll get a clue about what God wants, what, what is God after. And there can be that temptation at that point of vulnerability. There can be that temptation when you've done all that you know that you, to do and all that you know to call out to God. Um, that is a great prayer. You know, if you want to see a model of how to pray, that is a great way just to remind God of what his word is, remind God that it's him who's the only one who can do it. You've done everything you know, 
And yet, that's the, quest, the choice we always have, is do you give up in that moment? Do you sit down? Do you think, this is just too much for me? I mean, what else could he do? You know, there's very little else to do, but what the word that's, or the part of this story that struck me and left, lived with me for so long is he hung on. He did not let go. He couldn't do anything else at that point. You can't wrestle with someone when you've got a, you know, a gammy leg. You, you, you're there. All you can do is just cling on and, and not let go. And he clung on, not just, yes, there'd have been a desperation with it, but he clung on, I will not let you go until you bless me. He knew that whatever this was, there was a blessing there for him. And, and it's so inspiring. For all you can see the character flaws in Jacob, he knew God's promise. He knew what God had said. He knew that God had said, I will bring you back and I will cause multitudes to come from you. And that conviction, and I think this is the point that God was wanting to get him to, that you know, having done all he could, having prayed a good prayer, this conviction that it is only God that would get him through this next stage. And you know, whether, if he hadn't been such an awkward character, whether he'd have got that message earlier, but God knows each of us and God knows exactly what we need. He went on to live a, a long and happy life, so he, he managed fine. But God knew what Jacob needed, and what he needed was utter dependence on God, that having done everything else. And, and I was just thinking, um, as I was preparing for this, um, there are those lovely verses. Can we turn to James 1? Um, those verses, which is great if God speaks to you, is really, you want to thump the person if they come to you and say this. Um, James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. <laughs> you just, if, you, if you have that word for someone, you know, perhaps it is where it ought to be the other side of a room. Um, so out of, uh, anyway, you, you can take that the wrong way and that can really sound like a put down, but it's an exhortation. This is a choice that we make. We have a choice in every moment. When you face trials of various kinds, you have a choice. Are you gonna give up? Are you gonna moan? You're gonna try and just think it through or come to, come to some understanding of it. Um, but what James is saying is count it joy. Not because of the trial, but because you know that the testing of your faith produces. And this is where God brought Jacob to. There's a testing, that wrestling was really wrestling out of him any sense that he could go any further on his own. Wrestling out of him any sense that he had it within him to make the next stage that God had called him into. So all that had happened and the blessing that he got, the camels, the sheep, the donkeys, the wives, the children, was all in the wilderness, it was outside the promised land. This was not even into where God had called him to. And where his calling to was to be a multitude. He said, out of you, a multitude will come. So there's a huge, huge destiny that he had before him. And just being able to manage well. I mean, please read the, the story. I, I love the, the sheep thing. There was one passage in there where Laban, his father-in-law, changed his wages 10 times. First of all, he said, you can have the white sheep, but then the white sheep were all the healthy ones. So then he said, okay, you can have the black sheep, but then the black sheep got to be all the healthy ones. So then he said, you can have the speckled, spotted, and striped ones, <laughs> thinking that those are the ones that nobody wants. You know, see if you can find a speckled one and you can perhaps have that. And so what does Jacob do? Is he, he gets these um, branches, he pulls branches off the tree 
cuts little marks in them, so you've got dark patches and light patches. He puts them in front of the water trough because that's where the sheep mate in front of the water shop trough, so the Bible says. Um, and then lo and behold, he ends up with vast herds of speckled, spotted, and striped sheep. You know, so he, he was an ingenious guy and creative on all of these things. He did all that he knew that he needed to do, but God was emphasizing to him that clever though you may be, resourceful though you may be, that is not enough to go where God is taking us. And so, as we're reading in James, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect. Um, that's a challenge, actually, isn't it? You think, okay, I'm steadfast now. Let me quickly move on. Why do we have to keep in this place of trial and testing. Let steadfastness, that holding on, that not giving up, that I am hanging on until you bless me, let that have its full effect. Sometimes we can see perhaps we've worked out that, okay God, this is you in this. And trials, you know, when stuff comes to you, you don't always know it's a trial, it's just bad stuff. You know, why is this bad stuff happening? And being good Christians, you can start rebuking and declaring and, you know, Get, get away from me. But perhaps just maybe it's, it's God in there and God's allowing this to happen for, for a reason. Um, so there's that sort of awareness that God's at work. But it keeps going. It's okay, I've got the message now. You're doing this for a reason. But God's st- the steadfastness that's needed to see through. This was all night, you know, that, that Jacob was wrestling with the, with the angel. He did not have a quick, you know, five-minute tussle and then it was done. This was all night wrestling, and let that steadfastness have its full effect. Why? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God has such a heritage, such a legacy for us, as places we're going will produce so much, not just in us, but in those who follow after us. The impact that we are having and will continue to have and see even greater things is so huge that we cannot do this on our own resources. As I said, this sort of picture that God's given me that I'm way bigger on the inside, um, you know, that's because I need to be for where God's taking me. If I don't know that that is only be hap- happening because the grace and the goodness of God in me, you know, you may look at your outward bit, you may look at your resources, you may look at the, the good things that you are. I've got a good job, you know, you know people like me, I'm sort of well-respected. There's, there's some good things in there, but it's not enough. And if I thought that me being me was enough to do what God has called us to do, um, and so it's recognizing that it is only letting trials produce steadfastness and steadfastness produce its full effect of being perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. There is a, a heritage that God has got for us. There's so much that God has prepared for us. And so let God do his work, but let that be our utter conviction that God, if you don't go with us, don't send us. We are totally dependent on you. We may look at our own, we're a great people. There's so many talented and resourceful people here. God has blessed us so much, but it's not enough. Unless God is with us, unless we're totally dependent and that hanging on, gritty, sweaty, I'm not gonna let go sense together sometimes actually, as well as to God. You know, it does get it does get grungy and sweaty and, and, and sore and awkward um, when you when you're hanging on. Um, but let that be our attitude that we hang on together and see what God's going to do with us.
Amen. Amen. Can I pray for us? God, we love you so much. We wouldn't be anything without you, God. Any good thing that comes, any good thing that's here, God, it's because of your work. And that's not being little me, that is acknowledging that you have done a mighty work and you will carry it on to completion. And God, you also have crowned us with a crown. You think we're amazing and you're making us even more amazing. And God, that is not to make us proud and puffed up and arrogant and think that we can do it ourselves. It's so that we can give greater glory to you. Look at the good thing that you've done in me and I throw my crown before you. God, will you grow us in our awareness of our identity? Who is it that you've made each of us as individuals and us corporately to be? Let us grow in our awareness and understanding of who you've called us to be and where you are taking us. But God, let that heart connection where we know your love without any, there is no barrier. Jesus, you've taken it away. There's nothing we can do to earn more of your love. We are so loved. You have so much for us. And God, when stuff happens in life, let that be our stance. That it's not because you're trying to punish us. It's not because you want to just beat us up for a bit. It is because of your love and because you want to grow and produce even more of the golden treasure that you've already placed inside us. God, we love you. I just release over this family now such an awareness of you, your love for us, and the identity that you're calling us into. In Jesus' name, amen.